0: I mean, it's kind of cute, right? Hello, and welcome back to Kind of Cute. And if you're new here, welcome. I'm your host, Bailey Evan. And on Kind of Cute, we discuss articles from The Cut and my general pop culture musings. And... I made an egregious mistake last week that I just feel I have to discuss before we get into today's podcast. I said when I was talking about my legit shit that bone Maman is the kind of jam that Cracker Barrel has. That is in fact Dickinson's. I'm so sorry, Dickinson's. I am so sorry, Bon Maman, for that mix-up. I love you both. I just had to clear that up to be in good conscience for the rest of this podcast. Getting into our first article... This is just something that was kind of on my mind because my little sister's back in town. She loves natural deodorant. She's been using it for years. I have tried so many. I live in Florida. I I talk about on my blog a lot various things to make myself smell better than I naturally do because I don't sweat butterflies and rainbows. And I definitely need an antiperspirant. So in case you're not familiar with natural deodorants, if, if it doesn't have aluminum in it, it's not going to be an antiperspirant. It's just going to be a deodorant, which is basically just going to like cover up the smell of your sweat, but not stop the perspiration, which is what an antiperspirant does. The aluminum blocks the sweat from coming out. Okay, so in my experience those never work. So when I saw that this this headline, I just had to read it cuz I was like maybe this is my key. Maybe this is where it all comes together for me and I, you know, won't be giving myself Alzheimer's or breast cancer. And the title of this is, Lemons Have Replaced My Deodorant. First of all, let's get it out there that I'm just as much of a lemon hoe as the next girl. I like a little lemon in my water. I like a little lemon on my salad. I like it on a fish. Love lemon. Do I put it on my body? Uh, raw? Uh, no. So... This is what the article says. In a trance, I went to my refrigerator, opened the produce drawer, and pulled out a lemon already sliced into two halves, stored in a Ziploc, probably having been squeezed onto some noodle dish or something. I rubbed one half along my underarm as if it were the roller head of a dry idea. And uh, she goes on to say that this is life-changing, and now she doesn't fucking need deodorant because she just rolls some lemon slices on her underarms. (laughs) Has anyone tried this? Can anyone vouch because... I'm I'm concerned about the highly acidic nature of pure lemon juice on my delicate underarms. I just don't think, you know, can you imagine like a freshly shaved armpit and then putting some lemon slices up there? It partially sounds refreshing like a cucumber on the eyelid, but it also sounds like hell and that it would lead to uh, me breaking out in hives. Okay, that's my thoughts on that. If anyone can please comment on... My Instagram, kind of cute podcast on Instagram. I feel like I haven't been plugging that enough. Uh, I only have 26 followers, so if you would like to be in that little founding member club, feel free to join. And I'm just gonna go ahead and plug myself in the beginning here too, because I save that to the end. And who knows how many of you are making it to the end of this nonsense? Uh, so you can find me online at Bailey Evan, b a i l e y e v i n dot com, on Instagram at Bailey Evan or kind of cute podcast or my dog at Gurky Palm. So that's all the places to find me i'm very easy to reach just send me an email send me a dm and let me know about your experience with natural deodorant and lemons as deodorant oh and i meant to say earlier i felt like the articles that we covered last week aside from uh, our completely insane taylor swift track by track review they were a little bit heavier we were dealing with creepo of the century Actually, no, I'm sure there's creepier, sadly. Uh, Woody Allen, we were dealing with a feud between Martha and Gwen. You know, there was some animosity in that last podcast, so we are keeping it so kind of cute today. Really cute, really fluffy, so fluffy, it's like you could get a hairball off of it. Next up, we have the five most entertaining moments of Fashion Week so far. And this was just by the cut, generally. And I chose one moment that was my particular favorite. And this is the blatant branding exercise that was the Cheetos runway show. Now, I have to start this out by saying that I love the brand branding that's happening right now. I don't know if you guys heard, but Taco Bell had a whole hotel in Palm Springs that was completely... Taco Bell themed and honestly, it looked kind of jank because I watched Jeffree Star's YouTube video where he and his boyfriend like went and got to test all the food and had their hotel room and they had like the little robe with like embroidered on it. So the merch looked lit as fuck like I was I wanted the Taco Bell merch, but like the actual hotel itself, like kind of kind of jank. But still, I love this idea. I think some of the best branders in the game right now are Taco Bell, KFC and Cheetos they actually might all be owned by the same parent company now that I say that and now I'm kind of freaked out that like wow that's some insane insane branding going on um but like back in the day uh KFC was I think this was just last year they were selling versions of the Colonel's black pussy bow that you could like get as an accessory and I just thought that was so genius and they have the best like you know Twitters they they write all these snarky comments they get in like fights with Wendy's I just love that like I feel kind of blessed I live in the day of fast food joints like feuding on Twitter. So to give you a little recap of what happened at the Cheetos runway show, here's what the cut had to say. Heavy on the orange, it featured Cheetos jumpsuits, baby backpacks, and as the finale, a Warholian printed dress with sew-in cheese puffs. And if you're wondering why this existed, you clearly aren't the target audience. I feel weirdly attacked by that statement because clearly I am the target audience for a uh cheese puff dress but again doesn't York fashion we kind of suck like it's kind of absurd and pretentious and I just love the idea of Anna Wintour, Wintour like hearing about this cheetahs runway show and being seriously disturbed um or maybe she had a good laugh at it I don't know I know that she was not pleased when bloggers were sitting front row at fashion shows and now it's like <laughs> that's like all you got honey it's just a bunch of fucking bloggers All right, so this is gonna be our chunkiest, heftiest article of the day. And honestly, this was something I almost felt like I didn't have the brain width or energy to discuss because I feel so embroiled in it. And the amount of internet attention it's getting, I felt like I couldn't not address it. It already has upwards of 250 comments on the cuts article. I'm sorry, I'm currently drinking a beer. It's passion fruit and peach flavor, if you're wondering. Kind of good, kind of tart. Um, so this article is called, I Was Caroline Calloway. Seven years after I met the infamous Instagram star, star, I'm ready to tell my side of the story. And this was written by Natalie Beach. I'm sure there's many of you who are listening right now who are asking, who the hell is Caroline Calloway? And I don't blame you for asking that because this is a very very niche content um and the reason i feel so deep in this and i'm gonna try to my best to give you an an, an overview of my experience with caroline's uh social media kind of the trajectory of how it's gone in the past couple years and do all of that before we get into the meaty part of this article but before i even get back into our timeline to give you context This article was written by Natalie Beach who used to be a close friend of Caroline Calloway's and helped her, assisted her in writing her book proposal and her Instagram captions. People are calling her a ghostwriter. I think that's a little unfair. I would say most of the things she was doing were always in collaboration with Caroline. And my impression of ghostwriting is like a celebrity goes in, literally gives someone some notes, and they straight up try to write the book in that person's voice, but the celebrity is not actually contributing any or barely any writing to it. I think it's very clear that Caroline Calloway is a strong writer, and she's a talented writer, and I just think that, yeah, we'll get into that more as I go on. So let's start at the beginning. I started following Caroline in 2014. I remember this because it was the year I graduated law school. And this was like when she really started to kind of pop off. Uh, At this time, Instagram wasn't what it is today. It looked different. It It was just a different place. And the reason I became so enamored with her Instagram was because she would write long form captions about her time at Cambridge. And It was a captivating voice and Caroline credits herself as being one of the first people to kind of write in long-form narrative on Instagram and I have to say like I was a pretty avid Instagram user and I'm not saying that other people weren't doing this but other people clearly weren't doing this as well or weren't marketing themselves as well because I wasn't following them or hadn't heard about them and to this day and this is consistent I think throughout Caroline's writing career she has a way of writing in a way that makes you feel like cozy and magic and you want to keep reading it's fun it's it's snarky it's she she throws in zingers that are just appealing I don't know it it, there was some imperfections about it there was some self-deprecation that went with it I just really appreciate that. I loved her writing. I loved it right off the bat. And I've been following her since 2014 and it's now 2019, so it's been about 5 years now. And that's why I'm saying I feel so deep in this. So, I would say for years Caroline kind of went about her time. It was pretty non-eventful. She she just wrote. She would she would hop back and forth chronologically. Like sometimes she would write about Cambridge even once she had graduated, but she would kind of write it in like a present tense so it feel like you were there. It felt like you were at Cambridge with her. She lived in the West Village in New York after that, in like a very adorable apartment. She had all these boyfriends that were super cute throughout her time of her writing. She just lived this existence of what I'm sure a lot of people felt was a desirable life to aspire to. And I'd say shit really hit the fan for her earlier this year when she planned these creativity workshops where she would sell tickets on Eventbrite for I think $165, and you could buy a ticket and you would get one-on-one time with her. She would you know, teach a class, and she just, in my eyes, got a little ambitious with this. She basically planned a world tour as one person, and I'm sure anyone familiar with event planning knows that 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 in and of itself is a recipe for disaster. But after this happened, she became known as a scammer on the likes of Anna Delvey. And if you're not familiar with Anna Delvey, we might have to talk about her in a cut throwback episode because that's some juicy shit. But Anna Delvey has become like the scammer grifter of the year. And Caroline got grouped in with her and the Fire Festival debacle. So I thought right off the bat that was such an unfair comparison. And maybe I'm in the minority here and everyone thinks she's a scammer, but I really don't. I think she just got in over her head and and that's end of story. That's what happened. I, I don't think she was trying to scam anyone out of money or be uh, misleading. I think she just struggles with her attention span and yeah, gotten over her head. I don't know how else to say it. So that was sort of the beginning of cancel culture following Caroline around. And at that point, she just had a lot of vitriolic press come about her which i just felt was so unnecessary like i just don't there's so many worse things going on in the world and i'm sorry if you guys thought i was here to like really give some snark factor on this like i guess i'm just a caroline fan i guess i've just been around for too long and i saw her from the beginning of this and maybe that's where i see that her earnestness comes from somewhere like i feel like there has to be some authenticity to it i remember When she was visiting Florida, her grandparents lived in Naples and she like arranged like a free meetup and like had free flower crowns. And I remember thinking like, oh, that'd be like cute to go to. Like, I would love to meet Caroline. You know, like I was, I don't even want to say brainwashed. I just thought she was fun and cool. And I still kind of think she is fun and cool. But yeah, so after that, she just became really demonized in the press's eyes, or at least in this like sort of niche press culture that we're in right now. She was selling you know, art. She would she would make like tie dye titties is what she called them. And they were just art that she painted. And she got a lot of shit for that, like that she was scamming people and not sending the art. And I don't even know. But to me, it was pretty clear some people were getting it because they were putting on Instagram that they had this art in their house. And honestly, like I, I don't understand why she gets so much shit for selling art that she's hand making when people get paid with her amount of followers get paid $10,000 for posting some shit supporting a cheese brand on Instagram. Like, I don't, I just don't get why there was such backlash. And maybe it's because she is a privileged, pretty white girl who probably hasn't, on the surface, seemed to have to encounter many struggles in her life. And I think she is sometimes very unaware of her privilege just because it's so inherent in her. But she's not the only person in the internet who is guilty of that. And I'd say so many actual celebrities are guilty of that same thing, yet don't get the same amount of flack. Fast forward to recently, and Caroline was freaking out on her Instagram because Natalie was going to, her friend Natalie was going to publish this article in The Cut, and it wasn't going to be flattering to Caroline. And something I haven't discussed yet is that Caroline had a, a really bad Adderall addiction. And I remember years ago, honestly, probably around the time when I started reading about Caroline, I told my dad, who does criminal defense, he works for a lot of people who are addicted to drugs, and I remember saying that I felt like Adderall, aside from the opioid crisis, was going to be one of the next big addiction problems in the U.S. And I think even today, people don't realize what a problem it can be, but there's a reason that speed was outlawed from like diet pills years ago because speed is hugely addictive and dangerous. And that's basically what you're doing when you are mainlining Adderall, like Caroline was. So she was clearly in a really bad state during the period when she was mainlining Adderall. She was not sleeping, she would stay up for, you know, 48 hours at a time repeatedly um, also has kind of implied she was doing hard drugs alongside that, like Coke, so even exacerbating the effects of Adderall. So she clearly was just not in a good spot. She's someone who only recently, like, started on antidepressants for anxiety and depression, which, as someone who takes Lexapro, I applaud her for that because I really do think it helps, and I think it has helped her. Natalie, uh, told Caroline she was gonna write this article about this time when they had their falling out kind of like when they went from being best friends to when they weren't and talking about how she would help Caroline with her Instagram captions and her book proposal yada 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 so I hope I've given you guys enough background probably too much background but now I'm gonna read you some excerpts to me that stood out about this article We were both 20-year-old NYU students when we met, Caroline arriving late to the first day of class wearing a designer dress, not knowing who Lori Moore was, but claiming she could recite the poems of Catullus in Latin. I had to ask my sister how to pronounce that. Was that right, Kenzie? Yeah. Okay, cool. (laughs) She turned in personal essays about heartbreak and boarding school, had silk eyelashes, and wore cashmere sweaters without a bra. She seemed like an adult, someone who had just gone ahead and constructed a life of independence. I meanwhile was a virgin with a meek ponytail living in a railroad apartment that was sinking into the Gowanus Canal." So that sort of sets the stage for you. That's how they met, they met in this writing class together, they were both aspiring writers at the time, and they forged a fast friendship, uh, I would say largely over their writing skills. So their professor in this class apparently was like a hunky dude, debatable. And Caroline had expressed interest in hooking up with her. And so this is what Natalie says. At the Minetta Tavern, I told her that her fantasy of going out with our professor was dangerous and predictable. It's like a movie, I said between bites of lettuce wraps. This is act one. Soon he'll invite you over to his bachelor pad, fuck you, and in five months you'll read about it in The New Yorker. Uh, Guys, so I did a little research on this, which I thought would be like a little juicy tidbit you'd like to know. They mentioned some identifying facts about this professor in the article which I believe to be David Lipsky L-I-P-S-K-Y so if you want to give that a little google and see what he looks like to give yourself a fuller image of this story um you can do that and again that's just allegedly I don't know but you know it's a pretty educated guess so this next part I'm about to talk about is what has people up in arms the number one comment i have seen about this story and i really did try to do some research guys i read some comments i read some reddit stuff i read some facebook stuff trying to get what people's general feel and take on this article was and the number one question is where are the yale plates so So Natalie says that that December, for her 21st birthday, I gave Caroline a gift, three dinner plates stamped with the Yale crest that my mom had found outside a campus building. I took a Sharpie and wrote, fuck it, on their backs. Okay, to give you a little more context here, Natalie and her mom were from New Haven, which is where Yale was located, and Caroline had a lifelong goal of attending Yale. She, um, She had a Yale box, as she called it, and I'm sorry, another one of the more disturbing comments in this is that Caroline said that she couldn't imagine going through life with an NYU alumni uh, email address <laughs> which is why she eventually ended up at Cambridge after one year at NYU and had aspirations of going to Yale I guess. Caroline when confronted about where the plates were said they were stolen so that's why everyone wants to know where the damn plates are. My theory is that these are probably somewhere hidden in the depths of Caroline's apartment. Caroline is a hoarder's dream. It is it is a hoarder's sanctuary at her apartment. It's very endearing. It has a lot of cute decorations. It's very whimsical, but it is uh, cluttered, to say the least. For example, recently, which I thought... If I thought if there's any scam, it was maybe this, because recently she had uh, a cambridge sweatshirt that she was selling because she said it had so much sentimental value to her that she was going to sell it and you know for a heightened price she was selling it for over a hundred dollars fast forward like two weeks and she's like oh just kidding guys i found eight more uh turquoise cambridge crewnecks in my in my closet so i'm gonna sell those too for over a hundred dollars and i was like i'm sorry how do you have eight turquoise crewnecks and not know about it so i think these plates might be tucked in that closet along with those turquoise jumpers i mean i would love y'all's thoughts on it either that or um here's some more controversial theories maybe she'd like to do coke off the yale plates because that seems like something she'd like to do you know it's like a mixture of glamorous and like fuck it and you know i don't know that just seems like something she would do have you if you've seen this girl you know what i mean so maybe in a coke-induced, Adderall-fueled rage, the plates broke. That's another theory. Or maybe the most reasonable one is that she just straight-up fucking lost the plates and because she's messy. She might have thought they were a paper plate and threw them away. Like that is the kind of thing I would not put beyond her because I'm telling you when you follow someone for five years on Instagram and look at all of their prolific stories, you feel like you know them. And I honestly think that's part of the reason all of this has gotten so blown out of proportion and people are so opinionated about it is because I think she has so many people who have been with her since the beginning. So they feel this sort of ownership over her that is really not merited, myself included. Like I don't know this chick, but you know when you see someone enough on the internet you form opinions about them and about their habits and especially when you're given a glimpse into their innermost living corners and she's very open about her life in certain ways um so you feel ownership and you feel like you know what they're actually doing so again I wish I had more theories for you about the plates but that's all I've got for today I'll keep thinking about it uh If she had a dog or a cat, I'd say that they were used for like dog bowls, but she doesn't. So who the hell knows? She might have regifted them. That's another theory. She definitely could have regifted them, especially when we get to a later part in this article. So the next part that I found was kind of egregious and maybe the most yikes line of this article to me was when Natalie made an arrangement with Caroline that she was going to live at her apartment. Caroline was going to pay Natalie $200 to be the property manager of her apartment which was an airbnb while caroline was overseas and natalie after like one day of doing it was like um this is shit like apparently she came over like everything was a mess it was not in airbnb shape so she calls up caroline and says caroline i don't want to be your maid i'm sorry i can't help you out but can you ask someone else and caroline says oh no natalie i would She said, her new boyfriend sitting supportively next to her. It's just you're the only one of my friends who needs the money badly enough to take the job. Oh, 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 this is what I mean about Caroline being unaware. I really don't think she does things maliciously. I just think she is that level of unaware. Like Gwyneth Paltrow from last week, you know? And I take it back because I think the most yikes line in this might be this one, which says, the last time we saw each other in person that winter in New York, I was introducing her to the man I'd one day marry. As an early birthday gift, she gave me already used Glossier makeup and a check that bounced. I would love to know know the details of how much this check was worth. Uh, What exactly, what was the Glossier product? Was it a cloud paint? Was it a bomb.com? Was it a boy brow? I'm fascinated. Natalie. Again, kind of cute needs these kind of details. So, as I said, I'm very deep into this. My general take on Caroline is that she's not a scammer. In fact, uh, Elena and I saw her at Short Stories in New York, which is a bar she like loves to frequent. And again, I know that I don't know her, so me saying this, I obviously take with a grain of salt. But I would say my impression from being in her general, you know, hundred foot diameter at, at a bar is that she is someone who so desperately wants to be liked. And I think she's even discussed that in the past. She just seems like someone who really wants approval and friendships and belonging, which, I mean, hello, we all do. But I think she just wears that on her sleeve a little bit more. And that was the vibe I got from, like, sort of observing her at this bar and I even posted on my Instagram that she seemed like a kindred spirit, and I wish I had said hi to her, because I think she is. She loves an adventure. Her Instagram started as hashtag adventuregrams. I think she is a great marketer, like every successful influencer these days, but I don't know. I feel like it's all been so blown out of proportion, and the fact that this story has somehow become the cut's, like, headlighting article of this news cycle is wild to me, Um, and I think at at the root of it this is more a story about friendships and lost friendships than it is about scams and I don't know I just think I guess my takeaway from all of this is if you go down this wormhole you will fall so deep in and that is the draw of Caroline Calloway. she's a fascinating person because one you can't just get a little sucked in like I almost apologize to you for like giving you all of this because I'm afraid you might go down a black hole like I did all those years ago and that I'm still in. You should definitely read the article because there's so many more fascinating parts of it and it's it's beautifully written. Oh, but I do have to say one, my last thing I'll say on this is that today Caroline went on like an Instagram rampage where she wrote exactly which uh, Instagrams of her past she had gotten assistance from Natalie on and then when she switched over and she was the sole writer and I do have to say that I think when I became a Caroline fan and when she got a lot of momentum was when it switched over to her solely writing the captions. She has a super strong voice and I think it's really evident what she wrote herself and what she maybe had input on. I can't wait until the Caroline Calloway story is made into a movie because I don't know if you guys know this, but it, Hustlers, the movie that's getting a lot of press right now because it stars like J. Lo, Cardi B, Lily Reinhart, Constance Wu, you know, so many people who are, I think Lizzo's in it for a little bit. Um, All of these hugely popular people, what you might not have known was that this is loosely based on the article called The Hustlers at Scores, which was in The Cut back in 2015. And I, to this day, this is one of my favorite pieces of journalism. I love this article so much. I I think I'll link it in the show notes because it's that good. And Liz, again, I have to give her credit for introducing me to this article but it also goes to show that I've been a the Cut fan for a while. Like, I should have had a Cut podcast back in 2015, I guess. The headline of it is The extropers Who Stole from Mostly Richmond and Gave to, well, Themselves by Jessica Presser. And actually, Julia Stiles plays the journalist in this. So I'm definitely going to go see this movie. I have a feeling there's no way it's going to live up to this article because I just really think it's a stunning, stunning, stunning piece of journalism. Love you too, Ronan. But Jessica, man, she really killed it with that one. My legit shit of the week for once is not something you have to buy. Well, if you have prime video, it's late night by Mindy Kaling and it also stars Emma Thompson and Mindy, I believe, wrote most of it. And so she was like very much in charge of it. And it, it's so cute. Like it's it's just a little heartwarming movie. And I love that it really focuses on the relationship between Emma and Mindy's character And kind of like, you know, the love like rom-com things are like kind of an aside to it, which is funny for Mindy because she's such a rom-com lover. But I think if you want like a really cute movie to watch this weekend, like, you know, when you're just like lounging on your couch, you want to be comfy, you have a candle on, it's perfect for that. Shit, guys, I just made an egregious mistake and forgot one of my favorite articles that I wanted to discuss today. And it is what exactly is Millie Bobby Brown doing in this skincare routine video by Charu Sina? Millie Bobby Brown launched a skincare line called Florence by Mills and it's directed towards teen girls because she's young and she does this little like video that looks like it was filmed on her phone and she goes through all the steps of the process and rubs the products on her face but here's the catch guys I swear and I think everyone who's watched this video swears there's actually no product in the containers that she's putting on her face like at one point you see her squeeze the moisturizer and it just looks like an empty container and then her hands are like out of the frame and then she puts it on her face and there's nothing there and like she starts out with makeup and at the end of the video she still has makeup on it's wild you have to watch it like And I just don't understand why they would have done this. Like, did they just need her to get this promo out so badly and she just had to use empty bottles because they didn't actually have the product in it yet? What? So the cut says, what is Millie Brown trying to tell us here? Is this performance art? Is this an elaborate advertisement for the fourth season of Stranger Things? Have I lost my mind? Is Millie Bobby Brown's nighttime skin routine a kind of moving Rorschach test in which each viewer might see what they want to see in the blurry iPhone footage that will haunt my dreams for days to come? Watch and judge for yourselves. And Charu, I agree. You just have to see it for yourselves. Okay, done for real now. And since this particular episode has gone a little long, I think I'm going to put the Taylor Swift uh, rest of the track by track in my next week's episode. So thank you for tuning in. Please subscribe and give a five-star review and a written review if you're feeling really generous. Verge, I saw the one you left. I think I might have to frame it. Bye.